All right, here we go. Our topic today will be America Battles the Dragon. It's a topic we've been talking about a lot lately in many different ways, but it's something that we just really can't get away from because we really got to uh, help people figure out what's going on, what's going on in America. Okay, I'm going to start this out by reading a verse from Revelation chapter 12. It says, verse 17, it says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right, very important verse. This verse describes everything that's going on today in America. You know, have you, have you ever wondered why there is so much anti-white hatred in America today? I mean, every, every, we turn on the TV, there's some kind of propaganda being put out um, against white people. Um, and also, why is it that groups like Black Lives Matter can riot in the streets, burn down our cities, promote black power with their fists, and uh, not be called racist? Um, how do they get a pass from, from doing that? Could you imagine if white people went out in the streets and were screaming white power and burning down cities and rioting? Everybody would be against it. I mean, everybody would, would know that that's not right. Um, so... And also the other question I want to ask here is why are whites being told that they are all racist just for being born white? Okay, that's being uh, told to us. I mean, you can search uh, the internet. There's tons of videos out there where people are saying this and these seminars and these uh, various education platforms. You're, you are racist just because you were born white. You can't help it no matter what you are. So if you deny it, you are. If you say you are, you still are, and whatever. Um, and uh, the other thing that's going on here in America is these uh, memorials of our of the founding fathers, most of which are, are white people, obviously. Uh, they're being burned down and desecrated. Why is all this stuff happening? Why does it always? Why does it seem to be directed against primarily one uh, race of people? Um, well, I think this, this uh, chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 12, will answer that question. We're going to go through this chapter uh, line by line and study it. But first, I want to go back to, um, well, actually, i got one more point to make here. Um, th there's a movie coming out. It's called Cracka, and it depicts an America in which blacks enslave whites and rape women. There's a... A very disturbing, um, and if for young people shouldn't shouldn't watch this. But even you, so, if if you want to get on there and watch this, if you want to search this on YouTube, there's a uh, what do you call those promo uh, trailers? Yeah, trailers. There's a trailer of this movie, and do not watch it with your kids in the room. But I watch it because I want to know what what is going on. What what are they trying to uh, do to our country? And you watch, that, you watch that trailer and you can kind of see where they want to take this. They want to take this to, um, to some extreme levels. And some people say, it'll never happen in America. No, nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, have you ever studied the French Revolution, the Communist Revolution? Things have gone from almost normal to all of a sudden absolute chaos and murder and mayhem. 
Um, so we've got to, we've got, we can't be asleep. Uh, we've got to be aware of what things can happen so we can be prepared and protect ourselves. Um, so I, I can tell you why, I asked all those questions, why? Why is this all happening? Why, why does it seem to be directed mainly towards one race of people here today? Not only in America, but even around the world. It's happening in Europe, it's happening uh, everywhere. Um, why is this happening? Well, I can tell you who's behind it, who's fueling it. It's uh, Satan. Uh, Satan is behind all of this, and there's, there's a reason for it uh, that we'll get into. But um, it goes all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where there is a war between the serpent, where AI, I shouldn't say there was a war, it started, or this was a prophecy of a war between Satan and uh, his people, and, and God and his people. Um, and I'll read it right here. Uh, Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity or a warfare between thee and the woman, he's talking to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, seed means progeny, a family line that continues on. That's why it's, it's called seed. Today we say race. That's what we call it, race. In the Bible, they call it seed, progeny. Okay, So there would be these, these two families... These two progenies at war with each other, that would be um, um, Adam would be from the woman's line. It would go from Adam, and I'm just going to give you a brief um, rundown of this. Adam and Eve, uh, through Seth, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then to the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, obviously Jesus himself was a part of that woman's seed that the serpent would be against. Now, I believe the serpent seed started with Cain, and that's another study for another time, um, that his family would be behind the scenes, in the shadows, in the darkness, like a serpent is, always waging war against the seed of the woman. Um, and uh, he uses, I believe he also uses, Satan uses this serpent seed, this secret family, if you would, living on the earth, they use uh, racial tension and they try to get other races to, to, go, to go against the family of Adam. Um, and uh, they stir up all that hatred. So they use other people. And we obviously know that. We know that. We, I mean, we know that the mainstream media, the leftists, the deep state, they're behind these uh, riling up these Black Lives Matter groups and things like that. And these groups are, are you know... Um, they're being managed and controlled and funded by people who aren't even black. Okay, they're not even black, um, and they don't realize it. it. And it does go back to the serpent seed. I do have a study on this um, online. It's called uh, I think I believe it's just called the serpent seed, um, and it's very important to understand that. But anyways, we're going to focus more on the woman seed here um, because it's. It's paramount if we don't understand where this woman's seed went and where she is in prophecy, we're not going to really understand what's going on. We're not going to understand all those why questions that I asked you guys earlier. Why are they focusing in on one group of people? What is, what is this demonic craze all about? Why? Uh, even if you're not a Christian, it does, it's not just a war between um, uh, anti-Christians and Christians. If you're a non-Christian and, and, and you're a white person and you don't want to apologize and get on your knees and, and say you... You, you, uh, you could be not a Christian and be white and not submit to this movement, and they're going to hate you anyways. 
So it's not just uh, non-Christians versus Christians. There's something about the seed here that Satan really despises, okay? So we're going to find out what that is here. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Now we started out all the way back in Genesis 3.15 with this serpent seed versus the woman seed. Now we get all the way to the book of Revelation and we're going to see the development of those two seeds, those two kingdoms on the earth, okay? Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, okay? So what we see here is this beautiful woman, this righteous woman, bright as the sun, the sun's shining on her, um, and she's, she's got a crown. She, re she's a ro she represents a royal kingdom on the earth. Now check this out. Verse 2, And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Okay, what is this talking about? Who is this woman with the crown of 12 stars that's giving birth to this majestic child, if you would, this mystery child? Um, well, obviously we know that uh, as we study the Old Testament, we know that this woman symbolizes the nation of Israel. Whether they're believers or unbelievers, it represents those that nation. Because why? It comes from the woman. The woman Going all the way back to Eve, this family has a family line that goes all the way back to Eve. Um, like I, that's why I ran down that um, geneal that quick genealogical chart: Adam, Seth, Enoch, Noah, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the twelve tribes. That's what we're talking about here, and that's why you have all those genealogies in the Bible in the first place. Okay, so this stuff is important, and really, this is why people don't understand. What's happening today? Uh, they'll say that, you know, there's so much propaganda put out there about racism and white supremacism and all this stuff. You wonder why, it, why those things are. Why are they all out there? And what we do is we often, um, we often compromise and we say that, uh, um, you know, nothing matters. It doesn't matter what lines people come from and so forth, yet the Bible starts out in the beginning with two important family lines, okay? But anyways, so we have this great wonder, this woman, she's given birth to a child. Um, now, I'm going to say something. A lot of people look at this woman and they, they think, this is the church, this is the Christian church. And I disagree with that. Um, number one, it's obvious she represents the 12 tribes of Israel because her crown has a, a star for each tribe of Israel. And number two, um, we're going to find out that the church actually is only a remnant of the woman's seed from that verse that we read. We'll get into that in a little bit. So what you have here, right here, you have the nation or the kingdom. Okay, Then... The church is the spiritual center of that kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. It always has been. Even back in um, the Old Testament, there, were, there was only a really small group of real believers in the nation of Israel. Um, and, the, and the rest were, you know, would fall into idolatry and, and paganism and so forth. So in other words, you could be a part of this woman and um, biologically, I could say, and we know we've got family members that aren't Christians, and yet they're a part of our nation, they're a part of America, um, and they're anti-Christian, they're totally brainwashed and, and duped by uh, the mainstream media, and 
the education system, Hollywood, and so forth, but yet they still belong to that uh, family, at least for now, unless they don't make it uh, in the future here. But anyways, I wanted to just point out that this woman is not the church. She is a nation made up of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I'm not going to go into it too much in depth, but um, if you study the migrations of the, uh, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, you find out that uh, the house of Israel and the house of Judah were split into two kingdoms, or Israel was split into two kingdoms. The, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. Uh, the Assyrians came and they took the Israelites captive a couple hundred years before Jerusalem was taken. Uh, those tribes migrated. Those ten tribes migrated, or they were taken into captivity uh, eastward into Assyria. Then they migrated north through the Caucasus Mountains, uh, were later called Caucasians. They forgot who they were. They, the, upon hearing the gospel of Jesus, they... Uh, miraculously came back to him and became his people again, but just under a different name, under the name Christian, okay, under the name follower of Christ. Um, the book of Hosea describes this perfectly of, of how God would actually scatter and sow his people like seeds throughout the whole world and that they would uh, take root and grow and eventually become, <clears throat> excuse me, a great nation. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Okay, so, again, you might be thinking, why is this important? Why, you, why do you talk about, and, and I really don't talk about it a lot. It's just I've been talking about it more lately. Why do you talk about uh, America being true Israel? Why do you say America is Israel? Because if we don't understand that, we're, number one, we're gonna, it'll be easier for the enemy to, to make us hate our country and to make us despise our heritage. Um, and... Um, Number two, it's almost virtually impossible to understand uh, a great part of the Bible without understanding that uh, mystery, okay? That mystery. All right. I'm going to see. I'm going to skip on down here a little bit. Okay, let's move on. Um, actually, I'm going to do a couple cross-references here. Um, concerning the woman. So we want to know, who's that woman with the crown of 12 stars? I just, I still think it's the church. You know, somebody might say, it's got to be the church. The Catholic church believes it's Mother Mary and, and stuff like that. Well, here we go. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says, For thou art an holy people, he's talking to the Israelites, unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, right here, this verse today, if I taught this verse, and I, and I really wanted to teach it openly and plainly to the multitudes, I would be called a white supremacist, a racist, and everything in the book. Um, but should we care about that? Should we live our whole life trying to escape what, got, what the Bible says? I mean, that's what they're trying to make us do. Um, so if we compromise and we say, yeah, the, the statues of our memorials of our forefathers who founded this nation, um, they're terrible, evil people. What you're doing is you're condemning what, what God's word says there, okay? Now again, this doesn't mean that Israel was supposed to be supreme in the sense that they were going to uh, be dictators over other nations. They were going to, you know, just totally... Uh, rule them and uh, be cruel to them. No, this is to be a blessing to other people, just as Christ is a blessing uh, to us. All right, 
another couple of other verses that document this. Uh, Genesis 22, verse 17. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed. There that word is again, seed. Again, if, you, if I was to actually translate that, I, you, you would say that, that word means race. As the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, only one nation in history, the nation of God's people, um, I shouldn't just say one nation, but a couple nations. This happened under the empire of Great Britain. They controlled the seas. You know, you, you ever hear the uh, slogan, the sea never set, uh, or the sun never set on the British Empire? Um, they controlled all the gates. They controlled the seas, okay, uh, with their great navy and so forth. Well, that transferred over to America, Okay, so Great Britain kind of got weak and fell. Now who controls the seas? America does, and that's kind of falling right now. We got our aircraft carriers. Our, I mean, we are the dominant force on the seas. Okay, There's only one nation that's has ever fit, or two nations, I should say, Great Britain and America. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Because these people... And their ancestors passed on the word of God from generation to generation, from Adam to Seth to Enoch to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the 12 tribes of Israel to uh, our forefathers scattered throughout Europe and then to America. It's because we obeyed his voice. Not because of our skin color. Uh, not Because there are other white people, by the way. There are uh, in Russia. Many people believe they come from Edom. They are not the, the chosen seed. <coughs> They may come from that, that stock or that lineage of Adam, but they're not of the chosen seed. So I'm not saying that this, that this woman is, represents all white people. Okay? It, it represents a branch of that family. Okay? Um, Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely, now check this out, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now you look at, could you imagine the world without America? Look at, think of all the blessings that we've brought to the world. Now at, at times it's not been perfect, obviously. We're not a perfect nation. Israel never was a perfect nation, but that spiritual center of that nation has always led it in, in, in a way that was um, a blessing to, the na uh, blessing to the world. So you think about all of the missionaries that we've sent out around the world, um, and, and, think, and also think about this. We wouldn't be able to do any of that if we didn't have a great and mighty nation. If America didn't have a strong military, if we weren't a... Uh, strong, you know, the world's, uh, well, it's, again, it's changing now, the world's premier economic uh, force in the, in the world. We wouldn't be able to, to have the power and the ability to bless other nations the way we have. Um, and and this, is, this is despised today, okay? This is what's being hated. When you see people tearing down the statues and all that stuff, they're despising this right here. They're despising... Uh, God's people and the method or the, uh, the method that God has chosen to bring forth his truth to the world. They don't want anything to do with that. Um, there's jealousy, there's envy, and also there's just, I don't want to follow God no matter what. I don't want to follow God and I don't want to listen to what his people have to say. 
okay? Um, all right, so we established the fact that the Israelites were to be this great nation, okay? This nation that would be a blessing to all nations. It wasn't the church. It was the nation of Israel. Uh, so back to Revelation 12, verse 3, and it says, and there appeared, now here we, we the topic of our study here is... Uh, America battles the dragon, okay? And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Now, if the woman seed represented a physical, biological line that led to the children of Israel, what do you think? And then we, we see this great woman that represents her. What do you think this dragon represents? I believe this represents a, people call it the deep state. They call it um, many names, um, the shadow government and so forth. I believe this is the serpent kingdom. There's literal people from Satan's family line that hide in the shadows and that they are actually orchestrating the things that we're seeing today, the attack upon America. Um, this is, these, these attacks that are happening are not just by accident. They are planned, okay? And uh, there is a family of people behind this. Um, I could give a little bit of a clue as to part of that family. Many people have heard of the, uh, the Rothschilds. Um, there is a very sinister background in, with, in that family. And many people know that they are behind a lot of this, this stuff. You know? um, also, there is, uh, what's his name? Um, George Soros. George Soros. There, he's a part, I believe he's a part of this dragon family. That, uh, that has been opposed to God's kingdom all along. So what we see here, these two great signs. you got the woman and the dragon. These are two opposing kingdoms. They both have crowns, okay? That's what, the dragon has seven crowns, ten horns. So it's a power on the earth. But it's a power that's not out in the open, okay? So you think about what a serpent, again, a serpent hides, okay? That's, that is his main... Um, that is the thing that makes him most successful when, when getting his prey, is his ability to be elusive, to not be seen, to be hidden. And he comes out and he strikes, and then he goes back and hides again. Um, and many people have no idea that this kingdom even exists. Um, verse 4, And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So remember back in Genesis 3.15, there was this promised seed that was to come um, that would, uh, I don't even think I read it, it said that he would crush the head of the serpent. Did I read that verse? Not today, I don't think. No, I just read the, the enmity. Well, there's, if you go on further, it says that the serpent seed would bruise the heel of the woman, but the woman's seed would crush the head of the serpent. Okay? And Satan knows us. That's why this child is the one to do that. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? This child that was to come. Um, but, and, and Satan knew that. And that's why he was following that family line. He had the uh, Canaanites inhabit the land of Canaan before the Israelites were to come there because he knew the promise was already given to Abraham and his seed. So he's always there trying to, trying to block God's plan from coming to pass. And ultimately, 
wanting to kill this child that would come from that family line. Okay, He's obsessed. He, I mean, Satan is absolutely obsessed with destroying this family um, through deception, uh, through um, physical force, through any means necessary. Here, it was he wanted to physically kill this child to stop him from uh, reigning. And, you know, I could go on and on about this. You know, Satan, I believe, the Bible is written in a very cryptic way when it comes to prophecy. Most people didn't realize there was going to be two advents. So I believe Satan thought, oh, if I kill that, he knew the prophecies that this child would come and be born and be the king of the world. But I don't, he didn't realize uh, that he was supposed to kill that child and that that child, and, and because of that, the child would actually bring salvation to the world and then actually come back and defeat him. So he did, I believe Satan would not, never have called for the crucifixion of Christ, you know, through his people, shouting out in the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. He would have never have done that had he known that it would actually be to his own defeat. Um, so, um, anyways, enough on that. I could go on and on, but um, I think he thought if he killed Jesus, it was done. The kingdom was his. Verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God, okay? So he was crucified and he was resurrected. Uh, this is his resurrection up to the, the right hand of the Father and to his throne, okay? So now, now think about this. This woman, this nation, the nation of Israel, um, was to produce a king who would rule all nations with a rod of iron. You know, um, this is something, uh, you know, if you look out at the world today, I'll say it this way, if you look out at the world today, it needs a rod of iron. I mean, this world needs law and order. And, you know, Black Lives Matter, you think they don't like the police now. These groups that don't like the police now, just wait till Jesus returns. Um, they're not going to really have a choice. Every knee is going to bow, okay? There is going to be law and order. That's why he talks about this rod of iron. Severe discipline and order when Jesus returns at the second advent. So what we see now, I believe, is, is a prelim to, again, why Jesus has to come back with this rod. Um, all right, let me see here. All right. All right, let's get into some of this, tie some current events into this. Um, tear them down. BLM, Black Lives Matter, says Jesus statues are white supremacy. And Black Lives Matter activist Sean King called Monday for the removal of statues, uh, murals, and stained glass windows that depict Jesus as a white European, which he claimed are a form of white supremacy. Yes, I think the statues are uh, the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down king, a former uh, surrogate of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign wrote on Twitter. They are a form of white supremacy, always have been. So you see where this is going? Um, now, the, the um, Christians would say, many Christians would say, well, 
Jesus wasn't a white European anyways. He was of Middle Eastern descent. You know, you look over at the Middle East today and you think, well, they're not, they're not white European. They're more dusky, kind of brown complected. But you're looking at the Middle East now. That's not where God's people are now, okay? So, um, and I can document that in the Bible. I'll go back to Adam here. Adam, uh, the, the man that was created to be placed into the Garden of Eden, okay, the special man that God created. His name actually means to show blood in the face, to flush or turn rosy, okay? Um, so that's where Jesus, Jesus came from Adam. We obviously know that. The genealogies are given in the Bible. So Adam was a rosy-complected Caucasian man. Uh, Lamentations chapter 4, verse 7, describes the Israelites, <clears throat> in this manner. Her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of sapphire. Okay? So throughout the Bible we see that the Israelites are described as uh, a rosy complected uh, race of people. Um, Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse 10. When Speaking of the shepherd, the Shulamite was speaking of her shepherd who was a type of Jesus Christ. He was another Israelite, but he was a type of Jesus Christ. She says, my beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. Um, in an interview with the great scholar Gamiel, a priest named um, Maslian, described Jesus as having large, soft blue eyes. He further stated that Jesus reminded him of what, now check this out, of what an old-fashioned Jew looked like, okay? What does he mean by that, when an old-fashioned Jew? Well, when, during the time of Jesus, there were um, old-fashioned Jews there that were real descendants of Judah there, and there were other people that were just living in the land of Judah that were called Jews. And these were a mixture of all kinds of different peoples. Um, the, uh, the Assyrians, if you remember, um, when, the, when the tribe of Judah was taken away from uh, into Babylonian captivity, the Babylonians actually imported other people into that land. Okay, They took other people there and put them in that land. So that's what he says. He reminded him of an old-fashioned Jew. What did an old-fashioned Jew look like? Well, somebody with large, soft blue eyes. And so it, it, it's easy to document in the Bible, but if, you, if one takes the time to study archaeology and study the migrations of the, of the tribes of Israel, you, you always come to the same conclusion. So the brainwashing has been so deep um, that it's hard to even get into here today. So that's what people... So what Christians will do now is to say, okay, that's fine. We'll get rid of any statue of Jesus or any picture or any mention of him as looking like a white person. Let's get rid of that. And now what? Now, you know, uh, we're going to make him be something else that he wasn't. Okay? Why is that important? Pastor Ben, why do you care about that? Are you a racist? No, I only care about the truth. If I don't know where this seed line of people is today and I don't trace it throughout history, then I'm not going to understand the Bible. Okay? God says, I've chosen you to be a special people unto myself, to be, uh, to be above all nations on the earth, and to be a blessing to other people, um, and so on. But uh, one more verse. So, This shouldn't come as a surprise that they want to tear down statues like that and so forth, statues that depict Jesus as a, uh, a, 
as a Caucasian European man. Um, because the man who is a type of the Antichrist himself, the man who is a type of the Antichrist himself, the leader of the pagan Philistines, Goliath by name, said this to, to David. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. So think about that. Why does God have that in the Bible? What's going on today? Is it any different than it was back then? The Philistines, the pagans, they hate, well, the, the, the chief Philistine hated David. And one of the things he didn't like about him was the complexion of his skin. He didn't like that. Why? Why would he not like that? He, you know, Goliath could say, well, you know, you belong to that kingdom of God. You know, you've got some privileges there that I don't like. I think we ought to have that kingdom without your king. And, uh, you know, how about I can be the king and, and so forth. So what I'm trying to say, though, people try to totally minimize anything to do with family lines in the Bible. And we're taught, you know, a distorted version of the Declaration of Independence uh, where it says all men are created equal no matter what. Well, we know that's not, the Bible doesn't say all men are created equal. All people are created and loved by God, but they don't all have the same exact purpose. We're not all the same. We don't all, uh, we obviously don't all look the same. We don't have, um, you know, you just look out at, at creation in general. There are different kinds of trees. There are different kinds of grasses. There are diff- God likes a variety. He likes diversity. Okay. Now, when I say God likes diversity, he likes things different, but he doesn't like them all blended together to try to be one. He wants to keep them the way they are because he loves diversity. That's true diversity. Okay. True diversity. Um, Okay, back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness. So we've established the fact that the Israelites come from, that's what they look like, okay? They look like they have, they're white and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Um, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now, I believe this wilderness now, this is my opinion. I believe this wilderness is America. I believe this is where the nation of Israel migrated to. And I believe, you know, we look at this 1,203 score days. I believe that's she goes into the wilderness for an unspecified amount of time. And then at the very end, we're going to uh, be living through a literal 1,203 score days, 1,260 days, a literal three and a half year period. Um, uh, that's described here in a little bit. I'll, I'll make you hold on that for a second. But so I want to I want to say something here real quick. This week I read two old sermons. Oh, I read some other ones too. But I read two old sermons: one from the founding of the American colonies, and the other within years after 1776. And and why I want to bring this up is I want you to see what was in the mind of our founding fathers. What did they believe they were coming here for? Who did they believe they were? And what was this all about? Because that's what's being attacked today. The very founding of our country, okay, is being attacked today. And why is that? I asked all those why questions. Well, here's why. Here is a sermon delivered by John Cotton in the year 1630 
right at the founding of uh, the early American colonies. And this is what he says. It's titled, God's Promise to His Plantation. Now check this out. He quotes, second, or he uses as the primary verse for this uh, sermon, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10, says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. Okay? So that they knew they were Israelites. Now, I'm going to say this. Some, I believe, knew they were the biological children of Israel, and some just believed that they were the new Israel. Somehow they knew they were Israel, but they didn't know if it was biological or if it was God made them into the new Israel. Okay? But this was a common theme. They all looked at themselves as the Israelites of the Bible. And he says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and they will dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Okay? Fascinating verse. And then he's got, then he quotes Psalms, a bunch of Psalms that talk about uh, a generation coming that would be a blessing to all the world, all those things that I was talking about. Um, and then you go on to, um, you go all the way up to 1783. Um, right after the uh, 1776, not even a decade after we declared independence, here was a sermon titled, The United States Elevated to Glory and Honor, a sermon preached before His Excellency Jonathan Trumbull, Governor and Commander-in-Chief, Honorable General okay, of the State of Connecticut. So this is a public sermon to the government officials in Connecticut there. Um, by Ezra Stiles, the president of Yale College. Okay, The president of Yale College. Now i got a couple few quotes here. I don't know if I'll read them all. I'll read some of them. He quotes right here the main verse of his, ser of his sermon right after we gained independence was Deuteronomy 26.19 and to make thee high above all nations. Now this was a verse that was a reference to what the Israelites would become. Um, I will make thee high above all nations which he hath made in praise and in name and in honor and that thou mayest be an holy people Unto the Lord thy God. Holy means a separate people, a chosen people. Okay? So now he, this was right when we just declared independence. Now there are so many things, so many prophetic statements made in this sermon. It was unbelievable. His, this Ezra Stiles for, I mean, America wasn't the superpower of the world at that time. We barely just got our independence from Great Britain. And already in their mind, they knew that's what we were, that that's what this nation was going to become. They knew it was going to be the superpower. Why, how did they know? Because they knew their identity, they knew who they were, and they knew what the scriptures said about their future. And that is something our people know nothing about. That's why, that's why it's so easy for them to say, oh, I don't care if they tear down the statues. Oh, yeah, maybe we should, maybe we should listen to what they have to say. Maybe we should have a dialogue and all these types of things. Well, if they come to me and say, I want to have a dialogue, I'll say, I'll give you a dialogue. It's right here. Start believing this because I'm not going to compromise from what this says. Okay? That's the only dialogue I'm going to have is what, one that's based off of truth. And um, All right. So if you continue on in the sermon, I'll just grab a couple quotes. He says, already at that time, right at the beginning, does the new constellation of the United States, remember we're talking about the stars, the stars of the woman, that's what a constellation is, the stars. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and the new constellation of the United States begin to realize this glory. 
It has already risen to an acknowledged sovereignty among the republics and kingdoms of the world. And we have reason to hope, and I believe, to expect that God has still greater blessings in store for this vine. Now check out, check this out, for this vine which his own right hand hath planted to make us high among the nations in praise and in name and in honor. The reasons are very numerous, weighty, and conclusive. Okay, So he talks about us being the vine that God had planted. Um, and this is really important. This is probably the most important one that I wanted to uh, bring up in that sermon. Again, this is back seven years after the Declaration of Independence. It is of the Lord that a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars should flee into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God and where she might be the repository of wisdom and keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I could read on. I'm not going to, for sake of time. Oh yeah, it talks about the wilderness of America. So what I'm reading here today in Revelation 12 is not something that Pastor Ben decided to come up with today and try to make America sound really powerful and glorious and, and, and so forth. That's what they believed. Our founding fathers believed they were the kingdom of the woman fleeing into this wilderness land and, and building this great nation. They believed it. They taught it. These, this sermon was given to the government uh, uh, of Connecticut. Okay? Um, and I'm not going to read this, but he also, they also reference uh, America as being uh, separate from among their brethren, just like Joseph was separated from his brethren and then became the ruler of the world. So they liken themselves to Joseph as well. And many people who have studied the migrations of the children of Israel, um, many people believe that we officially are the, America was officially the birthright holder of the tribe of Manasseh. Um, all right. Another quote from that same sermon, but I must assist with only observing that the United States are under pe peculiar obligations to become a holy people unto the Lord, our God, on account of the late eminent deliverance, salvation, peace, and glory, with which he hath now crowned our new sovereignty. Okay? Deuteronomy 4, verse 34. Okay? Um, again, this, is, this nation was totally built off of Scripture. Uh, they looked at themselves as the destined people of God. Okay? Um, now, this is kind of interesting because this isn't part of the topic because then people, people are trying to tell us today that we should really feel bad because um, we, uh, you know, um, we came here and we stole the land from the Indians, okay? Now, check this out. He says, I rather consider the American Indians as Canaanites of the expulsion of Joshua, some of which in Phoenician ships coasted the Mediterranean to its mouth as appears from the inscription which they left here, and, and then it goes on. So, in other words, they looked at the, they looked at, um, they looked at America, as uh, or the Indians that were settled in America as the Canaanites of the Old Testament. Okay, and they even said that they believed that uh, many of them actually were biological descendants of the Canaanites because when Joshua took over the Promised Land, many of them they said came over here on on ships. Um, 
and I'm not going to go on and read this because we're getting kind of long here, but this talks about Josh. They, they, he likens Josh, uh, George Washington to Joshua of the Old Testament. Says that he was even greater than Cyrus. Um, all right, so obviously these, these guys knew what was going on. They knew what they were here for. Now, we don't, the reason why America is falling apart again is because we don't even know what our purpose is. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, how are you ever going to do it? Okay, how are you ever going to do it? And when people attack uh, your beginnings and you don't even know what your beginnings are, well, then you don't care and nobody defends it. And that is the primary, one of the primary reasons I'm doing this study right now is because I want people to know their heritage and I want them to defend it. Not because we want to defend our tribe, but because we want to defend the kingdom of God. Okay? The kingdom of God. All right. Oh, excuse me. All right. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against a dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. I believe this is yet future. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which, now check this out, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So it says that Satan's deceived the entire world. So you might say, again, you might say, Pastor Ben, some of the stuff you're teaching here, it's just, it's really hard. I don't want to... I don't know if I can believe that, or I don't even know if I want to. I don't even know if I want to say that to somebody. There's a reason why you don't want to do that. Is because the devil has deceived the whole world. He's pro, his main, think about it. His main goal, his main object, is to destroy the woman and her seed. That's his. God's already told us that's what he's after. That's what he hates. And um, so he's going to come up with all the methods of why you shouldn't believe you are who you are. Uh, why you should hate this group of people and so forth. Um, it's because he wants to destroy the kingdom of God. All right, so, um, and I, I do believe this is yet future. Um, I believe that, uh, I don't know if we'll see the fallen angels themselves or not during the time of the Antichrist, but I believe they will be here um, during that time. Many people believe that they'll come here, and that's what you have, you know. We have all these movies about alien invasions and stuff like that. Many people believe that these angels, these fallen angels, will actually come down here in in these uh, heavenly craft. Okay, um, interesting. Verse ten. And I heard with a loud voice. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ." For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So heaven's going to be really happy uh, to, to not have Satan up there uh, causing trouble. But we're going to find out who isn't going to be too happy. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Okay? So the overcomers, how do they overcome? First, they've got to believe in Jesus. That's the blood of the Lamb. Saves you from your sin. Next, you have to testify for Christ. You actually have to do something for him. And uh, the other thing is you have to endure unto the end and not love your life before death. That's why I, one reason why I'm not really afraid to present messages like this, um, because I really don't care. I mean, I want to present it in a way that's not going to offend anybody, but there, 
you can only be so soft to a certain extent without hiding the truth. And it's because I don't want to love my own life. I don't want people to look at me and... I, I, I'm not doing things for the purpose of getting people to not call me names or, you know, many people would call, after this study, they would say, yep, see, I knew you were a white supremacist or racist. You believe Israel is the kingdom of, kingdom of God and you believe America is Israel and all that kind of stuff. But I don't really care. I know this is going to happen, okay? And all of us should not care either, okay? Uh, we should be wise and smart about how we present things, but at the, at the end of the day, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to have to stand before God on Judgment Day and He's going to say, did you love your own life or my kingdom first? And uh, that's the question we're going to ha probably have to answer. So anyways, um, verse 12. Therefore, after the dragon Satan's cast down, therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Okay, they're happy. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And I believe that time will be either the seven-year uh, tribulation uh, or the seven-year period, but I believe it's the time that is the greatest, what, what people refer to as the great tribulation is the last three and a half years of that seven-year period of the Antichrist. Um, so he knows he doesn't have long and he wants to take as many people to hell with him as he can. But let's find out what does he do when he gets here? What does Satan do when he gets here? Who does he go after? Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, okay, so he's whoosh, you know, down on the earth looking around, okay. I don't know if it's just like that. But then he sees, ah, oh, I'm going after her. Here she is. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Okay? Did the church give birth to Christ? Anybody say the church give birth to Christ? No, Christ, the church came from Christ, right? So who is this woman then? She is the nation of Israel. Okay, I'm not talking about modern-day nation of Israel. That's a whole deception in itself over there right now. Um, He's going after the woman. And I believe that woman specifically right now is America. He comes after America. America battles the dragon, okay? There's one nation that's standing in the dragon's way right now, and that's America. He would have his globalist utopia, his one world government right now, if it wasn't for our nation. Um, so first thing he does, I believe, is he goes after America. Verse 14, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Eagle. Who's the eagle nation? Oh, America is. Did you know that in nature, the two are, this is a dragon here, but it's also the, a serpent. The eagle and the serpent in nature are arch enemies in, in nature. And that makes total sense. You look at America. America's been the enemy of the serpent from its founding. From its founding. Um, and that's why they want to remove everything about our founding. Because uh, the people themselves don't know that. They're just dupes out there wanting to destroy and riot and destroy things. But there are people that are controlling this. Whether it's demonically or orchestrated by shadowy people behind the scenes. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, all right. 
So unto the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time, times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. Now I have no idea what that's actually going to be in its ultimate fulfillment. If, there's, if this is just talking spiritually, where we have a place of protection or in the future if God is going to somehow push us somewhere else, um, I don't know that. It is interesting. We, but, but what we can do is take comfort knowing that Satan's after us. When he gets here, he's, he, he's got us in his sights, but we will be protected. Um, but I'll say this only for a time, okay? The last three and a half years, we're going to be going through some stuff. Um, and that's written about in Revelation 13, but I won't go that far yet. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, you think about what comes out of people's mouths, words, teachings. Well, in this case, out of the serpent, this is lies, deception, propaganda. Now, you think about it, um, this... When you look at what's happened recently, we've had this COVID-19 shutdown, churches were shut down, um, then all of a sudden uh, the rioters started, all this stuff, it just seems to be happening all at once, right? All at once, like, oh my gosh, where'd this all come from? Well, it's interesting, number one, that the coronavirus came out of the mouth of the Great Red Dragon, which is China. You know, it's, that's where the coronavirus came from, I believe on purpose. Now. The, the great red dragon, I, I don't think it represents China itself. It's just that China worships the great red dragon, okay? It's controlled by, that nation is controlled by Satan. Um, but nevertheless, uh, if you study psychological warfare and you study some of the writings of the enemy, one of their principles that they go by all the time is to be relentless, to be relentless, to always be on the offense and never let up. That's why we always feel like we're under pressure. Every day, the media is doing some kind of a, an assault or a psychological warfare campaign on us. Um, and, uh, and I believe that's what's going on right now is we are being totally bombarded with psychological warfare um, by the enemy. And it also is interesting that one of the principles of war is also to make yourself appear stronger than you are at times to be to try to um now now let's go back to the statues being ripped down what's all, what's the purpose of all that you know ripping down the statues what does that do to the morale of patriotic americans when they see memorials of our nation being torn down it kind of i know when i was watching i felt helpless like nobody's doing anything about it our nation's being destroyed. These people are just ripping it apart, celebrating. And I'm feeling kind of demoralized. I'm thinking, oh, man, we're losing every minute here. They're just doing whatever they want. Well, that's a, that's a, a principle of war. You demoralize your enemy. You make yourself look stronger than you are. And, uh, and um, that discourages your... Um, I'll say this. Now think about this. Only about, what was it, about 6,000 people showed up to a 19,000 uh, capacity arena to see Trump after all this stuff. Now think about why they didn't show up. They were scared of coronavirus and they were scared of the rioters. Okay, so did Satan's psychological warfare work on us? Absolutely. We didn't show up. We don't show up to anything because everybody's scared. Now, I wouldn't say bring your kids to an event like that if you know there could be Antifa, but if everybody 
was, I mean, there's more of us than there is of them right now anyways. If we just banded together and stood the gap, uh, they'd be pushed to their little corner of nutcases. But we let, they, they've scared us, okay? They've scared us with their psychological war. And um, in fact, I was watching one, um, I know I'm rambling on here, but I was watching a uh, live footage of a protest down at the governor's mansion this weekend. And it was um, a group that got together, patriotic group, they wanted to do a protest for back the blue, back the police. Well, there were, weren't very many of them that actually showed up, but guess who was very well organized and motivated and had loudspeakers and everything? Black Lives Matter. Guess who, who looked like they dominated everything? Black Lives Matter. Because they, they're showing up, they're organized, they, uh, they know what they're doing, and they were, the guy that was doing it, I have no doubt he's trained in psychological warfare, as many of these Marxists are. One of the things he kept saying in there is, there's more of us than there is of you. Look at you. Look at you. You're on the wrong side of history and all that. And I, could, I was going to go into this today, but there are examples in the Bible where the enemies did that. They try to make you feel like your, your cause is hopeless. There's, you're outnumbered. Don't even try to fight us and so forth. Okay, so they were using psychological warfare, all kinds of that going on today. All right, almost done. Verse 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman. And now check this out. This is where we started. And the dragon was wroth. He was very angry. Look at the anger that's happening against our country right now. He was angry with the woman and went to make war with who? The remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this woman was not, obviously was not the church because Satan was really ultimately only concerned with the remnant of her seed, a very small group of people who do what? Keep the commandments of God. That's law and order, okay? Law and order and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what he's been after the whole time. He knew that this people would come through this family line. He knew they'd become a great nation. And he knew they'd become so because they would keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, um, I, guess, I guess I have another, uh, another couple of verses here. Um, well, I'll read through them real quick and then we'll close up. Now, going looking out to New Jerusalem here. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, remember the woman that was crowned with 12 stars? This, I believe this is the same exact thing, just a little different way of describing her, um, the kingdom of God. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me a great city. The holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, uh, and like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high, and twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Okay? The twelve tribes of... It didn't say the church there. It said the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. But, check this out. On the east, three gates. And on the north, three gates. And on the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. Uh, 
And on the wall of the city, it had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, okay? Now there you can say, well, there you got the church there, right? Um, but also, if you know, the 12 apostles were also of the uh, uh, nation of Israel as well. And now check this out. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The reason why I wanted to go here is this is the end game. This is God's plan for the nation of Israel. That they eventually there would be this new Jerusalem that would be the center of their kingdom. And all the nations that are saved walk in the light of it. Okay, They don't live in the same place. They have their own countries, their own lands all throughout the world. God didn't create us all to be in New Jerusalem. Okay, He's got a whole world. Um, but anyways, they were, the saved would walk in the light of it. There would be this glorious city that would be an example. It'd be, it's where all truth would come from. All righteousness would come from this center point. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. So the kings of the earth would, would come and pay their respects to this city. These kings of the earth would be all the different rulers of the different races, all the different tribes of the earth. Um, but ultimately, this is, where they, this is where they would, this is the center of uh, the world right there at that time. Um, so anyways, when we look back again throughout Israel's whole purpose, this, was, this is their destiny. And this is why Satan uh, wants to um, destroy it. So um, I think we'll probably leave with that. Um, any questions or comments? We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer. Christian Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible so